Would you turn with me this morning to uh, the book of Timothy? We'll look at Second uh, Timothy chapter 1. We began last week, I believe it was, on this series, and uh, the title is brought out in this particular verse, Second Timothy, and the first chapter, Paul by the Spirit, the Spirit, I should say, speaking through Paul to Timothy, reminds him of uh, faith. And he says in 2 Timothy 1 and verse uh, 5, he said, uh, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I know some folks say Eunice, but that's how it's marked in my Bible. And I am persuaded that in you also, and probably you know this long ago they didn't talk like we do. (laughs) But uh, the point was, he said, uh, in Eunice, Eunice, and Lois, they had faith, and they had an unfeigned faith. Say that out loud, unfeigned. And he said, that unfeigned faith that was in them is in you. Does it matter who you hang around? The influence is on your life. Does it matter? And you know, people are very focused nowadays on, you know, I want to have enough money to give my kids an education and give them things I didn't have. And, and that's good and that's fine, but uh, that's not the most important thing there to receive from you. Some of the most important things they should receive from you is a heritage of knowing God. Hmm? They should learn about God through your life. They should learn how to pray by listening to you and watching you. They should learn how to believe God, how to live and walk before the Lord by watching you. That's more important than a college education. I said that's more important than a college education. Are getting a start in business. I mean if you don't know God. Uh, I mean if a man gains the whole world. And loses his soul. What has he accomplished? Nothing. But this faith he uses a descriptor. He didn't just say faith. What did he say? Unfeigned. Or not feigned. Faith. Well the word feign. Is the word. It means pretend. Are unreal. The Weiss translation says unhypocritical faith. Well, if there's unhypocritical faith, there must be a hypocritical faith. A hypocritical faith? If there's unfeigned faith, there must be feigned or pretend faith. Three different translations say that the New Living and the Century, New King James says, I remember your genuine faith. If there's genuine faith, there must be counterfeit, right? Three other translations, the basic English, the easy to read, others says, I remember your true faith. True faith. Well, if there's true faith, there must be false faith or fake faith. So the title of our series is True Faith. 
If you go to 2 Corinthians, please, before we talk further about this, 2 Corinthians, last chapter, 13th chapter, 2 Corinthians, he says something else about this, 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5 says, examine yourselves. Who's going to examine you? You examine yourself. What are you looking for? Whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. The uh, NIV says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. The Good News translation says, put yourselves to the test. Judge yourselves to find out whether you're living in faith. The New Living Translation says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. That sounds like our first verse, doesn't it? Are we to be checking up on ourselves? Testing some things about ourselves to see what? Is this real faith? Am I really believing God? Is there a danger? Is there a problem? Of people calling something faith and it's not faith? Apparently so. I know in my few years of walking with the Lord, I've seen this again and again. I've I've seen things about myself. I've seen things in others that we've endeavored to help and deal with. It's brought reproach on uh, the so-called faith message and faith people. Where people have done things and called it faith and it was disaster. There was destruction. There were loss. There was failure. And it was called faith. Well, we know God cannot, does not fail. How many would agree with that? How many believe the Word of God cannot fail? How many would believe the faith of God, based on the Word of God, cannot fail? So when we see something called faith that is an obvious failure... We should not conclude that the faith of God failed, or the Word of God failed, or that God failed, but that it wasn't faith. Hmm? Just because you call something faith doesn't make it faith, does it? So we're going to examine ourselves, if we obey the Bible, to check up on ourselves. Am I really in faith? Is this real faith? Is it true faith? There's been so much talk, there's been so much use of uh, phraseology thrown around. We're believing for this, we're believing for that. Agree with me on this, believe with me on that. I'm in faith about this, I'm in faith about that. Until people say it without thinking. But we need to stop and look at it hard. Am I really in faith? Am I really believing about this? And uh, the Lord stirred me up and I said it last Sunday and I want to say it again. He's speaking to us. He's speaking to Faith Life Church. And He's speaking to all those that are joined with us. Let's begin to examine ourselves. Every time we hear out of our mouth, I'm in faith for this. I'm believing for this. Let's obey that verse and pause and check up on ourselves. Am I really? Am I really in faith? Or am I just talking? Now, uh, Go with me, if you would, to Romans, the 10th chapter where we stopped last time. Romans 10, this entire chapter is talking about true faith. 
the kind of faith that gets you born again. In this chapter is our beloved verse 9 and 10. Romans 10, 9 and 10. I've shared it with many people about how to be born again. And uh, it consists of uh, believing something in your heart. And saying something with your mouth. And that's not the end of the faith walk. I mean, just because you get born again, is that the end of faith? Or are they just supposed to live by faith and walk by faith? Well, real faith that gets you saved is believing in your heart and saying with your mouth. So then the faith that you're going to live in and walk after that, wonder how it would operate. Same way, believing in your heart and saying with your mouth. Now, I know, you know, we see from time to time people that are visiting with us. And I can see a lot of us confessing things and saying things out loud. And some of them look uncomfortable. And they're like, when are they going to quit saying that and just let us sit down? And they say this, say that, say again. How much are we going to say? Well, this is the way that we're supposed to operate. This is normal. If you hadn't been doing it, you've been abnormal. <laughs> it's just the truth. How many understand that Jesus is the apostle, the Bible said, and high priest of our Profession, other translations say confession. He's high priest over what we say. Does it make a difference whether you're willing to stand up and say out loud, I confess Jesus as Lord of my life? Huge difference. But see, that's not the end. Just like we got born again, we're supposed to do the same thing day in, day out. We're supposed to be believing in our heart and saying with our mouth. And that's how we're going to live by faith every day. Walk by faith every day. Same way. Well, in this chapter, he talks about how faith comes as well. Let's back up to the, uh, you're there in Romans 10. We'll back up to the uh, 13th verse. It says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Well, they won't call on him if they haven't believed in him. And they won't believe in him if they haven't heard about him. Now see, we're familiar with verse 17, faith comes by hearing. But see, that is flow from here to there. How will they believe in him of whom they've not what? Heard. Heard. How does believing come? How does true faith come? By hearing. And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear? Say it out loud. How shall they hear? Without what? Without a preacher. Do we need belief? Do we need faith? Do we need hearing? Do we need preachers? Well, there's some folk that don't think so. You know, some have substituted that, the old lawyer joke, you know, what is uh, 50 preachers on the bottom of the ocean? And they say, well, they'll have a good start. They'd like all the preachers to be on the bottom of the ocean. They think preachers are a total waste of time and a scourge and a drain and a drag on society. And some of these same folk believe that religion is just a crutch. We need to get rid of it altogether and get everybody educated and become intelligent and then we won't need all that stuff. 
Well, according to the word, they're the fools. Because the fool, it says in their heart, there is no God. Hmm? And, uh, you know, it's not a matter of intelligence. It's a matter of the truth. But uh, we do need preachers. I'm not just saying it because I am one. I thank God for the preachers and men and women of God in my life that have impacted me and, and affected me. I know in early days of our walking with the Lord, we were sowing into some other people's books and tapes that were going into some other places quite heavily for us at the time. And uh, a friend of mine asked me, he was going to another place of higher learning, and he said, uh, he said, what people need is the Word of God. He said, why don't you just send them Bibles? And I had to pause and think about that. You know, why am I just sending these, uh, actually these were some of Brother Hagin's books and materials. Why send that when you could send a Bible? Well, notice what it said. How shall they hear without a Bible? <laughs> huh? No. How shall they hear without a what? A preacher, and keep reading. And what? How shall they preach? Except they be sent. Can just anybody preach? No. No. Like one fellow said, some are sent, some just went. (laughs) Now any of us can share what we know of the Lord with somebody else and can be a witness. But there's different levels of anointing on human beings speaking the word, isn't there? Different levels. I know when I first came to Ramah, I was impressed with something that I, over a period of time I noticed more and more, uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin, he would teach and he would begin to read in the scripture his text. Sometimes he'd get started reading and just read a whole chapter. And he's not commenting on it, he's just reading it. But one thing that amazed me is how much I got out of him reading it. I'm seeing things. I'm getting things. He's not commenting on it. He's just reading it. But I'm seeing things I didn't see before. And I'm thinking, now I've read that many times. Why didn't I see that when I read it? When he read it, there was a different anointing on him. Keep on going down to the 17th verse. What does it say? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by what? And how shall they hear? Without a preacher. Now this, if you look these words up in the Greek, it says faith comes by, the word by means origin. This is where it comes from and how it comes. It comes from by hearing, and hearing comes by the rhema of the Christ. If you look up those words, that's what it means. The rhema means spoken utterance. What does Christ mean? Anointed one. The spoken utterance of the anointed one. That's how faith comes. Do we need Bibles? Absolutely we need Bibles. But we also need preachers. Why? Because God calls and anoints men and women 
to proclaim the word with an anointing. And how does faith come? Not just by memorizing verses. I know that sounds strange to some people. But how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing anointed utterance. (laughs) Now these words are anointed. Yes, they are. But there's more in this Bible than we'll ever see in ten lifetimes. But God quickens parts of it to us. Day in, day out. He uses the gifts He's given to the body of Christ. As well as speaking to us in our own heart. What do we need? We need all of them. I said we need all of them. When He ascended on high, He must have thought we needed some things. He gave gifts unto men, didn't He? He gave us apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Must have thought we needed them. Or He'd have just given us Bibles. The good thing about it, you don't have to pick. You can have your house full of Bibles. (laughs) And preachers too. (laughs) And between all the Bibles and all the preachers, you ought to get some faith. Somewhere. From hearing. Said out loud, faith comes. comes. By hearing. Hearing Hearing what? Remember those words. The anointed utterances. The spoken utterances of the anointed. Said out loud, spoken utterances of the anointed. Now keep reading because uh, some things are brought out in the very next verse, verse 18. But I say, have they not heard? He asked a question. Yea, verily their sound went out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? Two questions after he says faith comes by hearing. Have they not heard? And what's the other question? Did they not know? Don't let this be too simple for you now. What is supposed to be the result of the hearing? According to these verses right here now. Yes, faith is right. But faith is the result of this. Have they not heard? What's the next question? Did they not know? What was supposed to happen as a result of them hearing? They were supposed to know. Now when we say no, modern usage of the word no is mental and analytical. But Bible usage of the word no in many, many places is like Adam knew his wife, Eve. That's not talking about mental information. It's talking about experience. Knowing. And when it talks about knowing God, it's the same way. It's not talking about knowing about God. It's talking about experiencing God. Isn't this what the whole world is hungry for? Experiencing God. Not knowing about God. Knowing God. Knowing God. Now this is no diversion from our subject. Who could have the most faith in me? And who would it be the easiest for to have faith in me? To trust me? Keith. Who would it be? Let's say that you're a stranger to me today. You walked in. This is the first time you've seen us. You don't know me. First time you've heard me. 
How easy is it for you to trust me? It's not. You don't know me. And you shouldn't just blindly trust people you don't know. I'm going to say that again real slowly. You should not just blindly trust people you don't know. Yeah, but they're a Christian. You should not trust people you don't Yeah, but they're a preacher. You should not trust preachers you don't know. Yeah, but they're a mighty woman of God. They're a mighty prophetess. They're a mighty this. You should not trust people you don't know. People can fail. People can miss it. Christians, particularly word and faith so-called people, have become known among criminal types as easy marks. Do you know that? Easy marks. Why? Because we're trusting souls. (laughs) You just look at us and go, trust me. We'll go, okay. (laughs) Trust me. Just trust me. Especially if they got a fish sign on their card. (laughs) Well, what about the numbers and what about, oh, brother, just trust me. Just take it on faith. Now, the reason I'm talking about this is because what faith? Faith in what? Based on what? See, there's this whole thing that has grown up and developed and is called faith, and it's got nothing to do with real faith in God. It's foolishness. It's ignorance. And people are just ignoring these basic truths, and they're not paying attention to what they're... All the time, there was something inside scratching them going, this is not right. This is not right. You need to leave this around. But the person looked at them and said, I'm a brother. Trust me. The more people holler, trust me, the further away you should go. Well, this is really going over big, isn't it? It's kind, of, it's kind of like a, a phrase I saw in the shop one time. It said, in God we trust. All others pay cash. <laughs> God we trust. Completely. We don't have to see. We don't have to feel. We don't have to have proof. God we trust. You? That's another deal. And one thing that people have become confused about, they go, well, if you love me, then you trust me. Huh? Says who? Well, if you love me, you have to trust me. No, we don't. We can love you with all our heart and not trust you to get out the door. Love and trust are not the same thing at all. And if you trust somebody that has lied to you over and over and over again in the name of love, you're just being foolish. It's got nothing to do with love. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm a faith person. That means I trust them. No, no, you're confused. Let's get back to the Word. Let's get back to reality. 
Who could trust me the most? Phyllis says me. That's good. Well, if she could, why would it be? She's been around me a lot. She's heard me a lot. She's heard what I've said. She's seen what I've done. And if I've been faithful, she could trust me more than somebody else that doesn't know me because she knows more about me. Isn't that true of God? Though who could trust God easier? And who could trust God further? Those who know him. Who've heard him more. Who've seen him more. And what we've got is a bunch of people trying to have a cold, dead letter faith. And they don't know him. And so the problem is not a problem of faith. It's a problem of not knowing. Not knowing him. Are you okay? Hmm? Go with me to Second Timothy, the first chapter. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the utterance of the anointed. Anointed utterance by the anointing on the word, faith comes. And as a result of hearing those words, you're to come to know something about the one that's speaking the words. Our faith is not just in a book. We're supposed to learn about the person from the book. We're supposed to get to know the person. And through hearing things of him, we're supposed to get to know his person, his integrity, his power, his faithfulness. And our faith is in him. It comes from hearing what he has said, but it's not just faith in a dead letter, it's faith in a person. And my faith in him is the result of what I know of him from what I've heard of him and from him. Second Timothy 1, Second Timothy 1 in verse 12. He says, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know... Whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. The Living Bible says, I know the one in whom I trust. I know the one in whom I trust. Go with me to Hebrews 11. Let's touch on this a little bit further. Abraham is called a father of faith. He and Sarah got in faith, real faith, true faith, didn't they? One way you can tell it's real faith, you get results. And they got results, didn't they? How did they come to have such faith in him? How was it exhibited? Hebrews 11, the great faith chapter Hebrews 11, verse 11, said, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Her faith was exhibited how? 
She judged God faithful. The New Living Translation says she believed that God would keep his promise. The basic English says she had faith in him who gave his word. Faith is not complicated. Faith is simply, if you look up the word, the definition of faith is persuasion or trust. Faith is simply this, being absolutely persuaded that what they said they will do. Can you really be persuaded that a person will do what they say and you don't know that person? Mm -mm. But the more you learn them, the more you get to know them and learn who they are and what they are, it's easier to trust and believe if they've been faithful. In fact, getting to know them, after a while, you begin to anticipate what they'll say about something. You begin to anticipate what they will do in an area because if they're faithful themselves, you know it will be consistent with what they've said in times past. It'll be consistent with what they've done in times past. That's part of the value of this book. We can see what he said in times past. We can see what he's done in times past. And he never changes, does he? So what's he going to do with us today and tomorrow? It's going to be the same kind of thing, right? So we begin to have faith to know what he will do. Faith to know what he will say, to know what he will do. I know in whom I have believed. I know the one I have trusted. Sarah received strength to conceive seed. She was delivered of a child when she was past age. This is a miracle. Isn't it? Does something need to change in your body? Here's how it happens. Her body, she was barren as a young woman, could not conceive. There was something in her body. We know, you know, Abraham fathered a child by another woman. So we know it was Sarah. Something was wrong that kept her from conceiving. But now she's gone through the change of life. So not only was it was the barrenness issue, but now she's older. Her body has changed. And yet, something happened inside her. Come on, can you envision it? Something happened inside Sarah's body. Her organs begin to change. Her glands begin to change. Her blood, her bones. What was wrong was fixed. What was old was rejuvenated and became young again. I remember scripture that says, He renews your youth. So that your youth, He fills your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Your strength is renewed like the eagles. Now we're not promised that we're going to live down here forever. And you shouldn't want to. And you're not promised that you're not going to age. But God could do things in you that could turn back your clock. Can He? God can do things in you. Not only fix things, (laughs) but give you a renewing, a regeneration. A quickening, the Bible calls it. If the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, He will quicken your mortal body. Well, no, we're all excited about it. We believe God can do it. But why and how did it happen for her? Read the verse again. Verse 11, how did it happen? How did it happen? By faith. 
By faith. Not by the magic formula of diet and exercise. (laughs) There are some things that can help you along that line, but nothing can do what faith can do. What was it that turned her around? Faith. faith. How was her faith exhibited? She was convinced. How many remember how the angel of the Lord uh, stood there and she stood in the door of a tent? Remember that? And he said about this time next year, Sarah's going to conceive and bear a child. First she laughed and then she had another thought. (laughs) After he called her on it. How many think Sarah thought about that all the rest of the day and all that? Something happened in her and she quit laughing and she quit scoffing and she started believing God. She said, I count him faithful. If he said he would do it, he will do it. She began to expect it and her body changed. How many believe, though, that that was an anointed word to her? They didn't even have a Bible. She's not quoting scripture she's memorized, but she did hear a word from the Lord, didn't she? Can we hear a word from the Lord? Through this book, through other people, through our ministry gifts, by the Spirit of God. But it's not just a dead letter to us. It's a living word that the Lord's speaking to us in our situation. And when we hear it, can we have faith? Is there power in that anointing to give us faith? And is there power in that word to bring it to pass? And if we believed like her, could our body be changed? Could organs be changed? Could things be changed? But it can't be a dead parroting of what somebody else did. How many is that? Just because Phyllis knows me doesn't mean you know me. Just because somebody else knows God doesn't mean you know God. Just because what God said to them is real in this area doesn't mean it's real to you. And you can't just act on borrowed information. It's got to be real to you. Doesn't it? Faith in Him is based on what you know of Him. What you know of Him comes from what you hear of Him. But not just a dead recitation. The anointed utterance. Go to Romans, please. Romans, the fourth chapter. This is the other partner in this miracle, Abraham. He's called a father of faith. We know he's a man of faith. How did he come to be such a man of faith? The error that people have gotten into is a focus on themselves and their faith. Too much emphasis on my faith. And what I can do with my faith. Focusing on your faith is not good for your faith. Focusing on needs will cause you to become more need conscious. Focusing on your faith will just cause you to, if you think, do I have enough faith? Do I have enough faith? Is my faith strong enough? Can I do this with my faith? Well, the enemy will be right there to tell you, no. No, you don't have enough faith. (laughs) And you go, I didn't think so. So just forget it, because you don't. (laughs) And you can try to work up enough and muster up enough, and then you say, well, do I have enough faith now? What do you think he'll say? Nope. Nope. In fact, you got less faith now than you started with earlier. You're, nah, you're getting further from it than you are closer. He's a liar. 
But focusing on your faith doesn't give you faith. Tell me how faith comes. Faith comes from hear, not just hearing about, hearing from Him and getting to know Him. Faith comes. And it's not like you have to work it up. As you get to know Him, it just comes. It's just there. I know Phyllis has faith in me. She trusts what I say. But it's not like she has to get up every morning going, I got to have faith in him some way. I got to, come on, I got to work this up some way. No, it has just happened over a period of time. And the same with me, I trust her. It's just happened over a period of time almost unconsciously. Oh, are y'all with me this morning? It's not that we get up every day and go, we got to believe in each other. Oh, I hope I have faith in her today. I, I don't know. Do I have faith? If you say that, what the enemy's going to come and say, no, 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 you don't. You don't. Do I have faith? It comes just as we get to know him. It comes. Faith comes by here. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to muster it up. Oh, I got to believe. I got to believe. I got to believe. I got to believe. What does that mean? You don't. I'm trying to believe. I'm trying to believe. Just by examine the phrase. If you say, I'm trying to believe, what does that mean? You don't. I got to believe. I got to believe. What does that mean? You don't. I need to believe. I need to believe. It means you don't. <laughs> but when you know him in whom you have trusted, you know what he said. This is how it happened with Abraham. He didn't just get up one day and say, I need to be a faith man. I got to be a faith man so that later on people can call me the father of faith. So that people can respect me throughout the generations. I got to be a faith man. I got to quit messing around with this unbelief and be a faith man. <laughs> they didn't have any Bible. They didn't have any faith preachers to talk about this. About faith. There were no, you know, CDs on faith. There were no series of DVDs on faith or any other thing. No, but on one occasion... God, somebody say God, God spoke to him and said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be a blessing. He said, Abraham, you see all these stars? That's how many kids you're going to have. And he believed it. Why did he believe it? He had come to know him a little bit through the years and he had come to be persuaded. Isn't that what this scripture talks about right here? Come on, read it with me. Here in this Romans, the fourth chapter, Romans, the fourth chapter, he said, he considered not his own body, verse 19, now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Now, what would it mean to stagger? You know, Christians so many times look at unbelief as something to be compassionate about with people. Bless their hearts. They're just having trouble believing. But with the Lord, it was a different thing. It angered him. Didn't it? Unbelief angered him. It's not like, bless your heart, just keep trying. Maybe one of these days you'll have faith. His position was, why don't you believe me? To him, there's no excuse. For not believing him. 
So what would it have been if he had staggered if God said, look up at these stars. Look at all this. So shall your children be. So shall your seed be. Like the sand on the seashore for multitude. Like the stars in the heavens for multitude. What if Abraham had said, really? Well, I sure don't see how that could be. You know, we just got back from the clinic. uh, (laughs) And they said, uh, Sarah, never have a baby. And uh, you know, I'm getting old. And uh, I appreciate what you're saying there, Lord. But uh, I sure don't see how. That'd be staggering. That'd be wavering. And is that okay? Basically, what's he saying? I don't believe you. I don't trust you. Hmm? And is that acceptable? Is that an acceptable position for the Lord to say, well, okay, if you don't believe me, just, you know, it's okay. No, it's not okay. The Lord became angry with folks because they didn't believe. How many remember he looked about with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their heart and their unbelief? He said, how long will it be before this people believe me? Why? If he had lied one time, you might see how somebody could question or wonder about it. But he has never, ever lied. He has never failed. There is no reason why you or I would ever hesitate to believe him, to trust him. So it, it, to waver, to be unsure about whether we believe it or trust him is a personal insult to him. Isn't it? It is. It's not minor stuff. It's serious business. Oh, but the reason Abraham's in the book is because he did not stagger. He did not waver. He looked up there. He didn't have a clue how it could be. It seemed an amazing thing to him, but he just believed God. in He just believed. If he said it, okay. I accept it. And goes on to say, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Here it is. Verse 21. And being what? He was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Oh, friend, it's real simple. If God says, I'll supply all your needs according to my riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Then your worrying over your bills should be done, 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 done. For you to continue to say, well, I, I hope so. I know all them verses is in there, but you know, man, the economy is tough right now. And, and gas is high. Woo, have you seen the prices of gas? Well, then you've got more faith in high gas prices than you do in God. you got more faith in that to hold you down than in God to bring you out. Shouldn't you be able to say, I am like my father Abraham. I am fully persuaded. If God said he'd take care of me, then he will take care of me. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to lose sleep about it. I'm not going to be anxious about it. That's all faith is. It's just being persuaded that he'll do what he said he would do. It is not complicated. It is simple. But of course, being able to trust him comes right back to uh, how much we know him. Hmm? How much we know him, how much we've heard of him, how real it is to us. He was fully persuaded. Say it again, fully persuaded. He was fully persuaded. 
Don't you like that? Fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Somebody say, I believe it too. Stand up on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.